Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Well, here we are, and it is Sunday morning. Who sensed God's presence this morning? Just the sweetness of His touch. It's so good. Amen. Well, this morning uh, is a miracle offering. And can I just say that we've been doing this for over 25 years now. And it's, uh, you know, a time when we encourage everyone to sow a week's salary into the life of the church. And, uh, you know, we are now sitting in what we believe would happen 25 years ago. Well, even more than that, it's actually 29 we believe that God spoke to us to plant a church in this area, and we have done it. And throughout that time, you know, we have seen so many incredible miracles take place. We've seen the faithfulness of people who have sown that over the years, and we're just now enjoying it. But folks, this is just the beginning. It's not the end. This is a continuation, and we will continue to do what God's called us to do. When I think about those last almost 30 years, it'll be 30 years next year when the church was started. I think about, you know, the people that have come to Christ, people have been healed, people have been filled with the Spirit of God, people gone on missions trips, people being married, baby dedications. There's more baby dedications to come, I'm sure. And uh, also, we've celebrated our lives as we have, you know, gone sent them off into glory we've celebrated their lives and we are grateful amen for their faith and their faithfulness over the last few years and we continue to do that because we know that God wants us to finish the work that we have started and at the beginning of every miracle offering month I ask God to show me what we need as a church to continue to go forward and I felt a great impression about faith speak about faith because sometimes in the life that we have which is extremely good we are extremely blessed people living in this country sometimes we forget that we need to use our faith we've got to grow our faith we've got to develop our faith we've got to strengthen our faith we've got to release our faith and when we have nearly everything that we need for life we forget to use our faith so I was in, I really sensed that we've got to kind of like ramp it up and start to believe God for which we first believed and that God will use us and that God will multiply, you know, the kingdom of God as we stretch out our hand. Faith is the very thing that God looks for. God looks for faith because it pleases him. And the question that I have for you this morning is, where is your faith? If you could say, well, my faith is here, but it's not here. Jesus asked that question in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. And this is what he said. He said this, when the Son of Man returns, and he's speaking about himself. When the Son of Man returns, will he find on the earth faith? Will he find? So he's, he's looking for faith. He's looking for something that's different. Yeah, I am personally challenged by that scripture. Will he find faith 
in me active when he returns because he will return he's coming back no man knows the hour don't worry about conspiracy theories and people say he's coming back in five years and ten years i remember when i first became a christian they said that jesus was going to come back by the end of the year 2000 you know 1999 was always going to be but he didn't but he is coming back and we don't know when and therefore we must continually be busy expressing our faith where is your faith can you define where your faith is this morning well i'm believing for this no i'm just thought i just don't want to believe anymore let us not fall into that trap let us continue to press on second question what is faith how can we really be sure that we have it and it can be seen how can we be sure a beggar was sitting in the mall this brisbane mall i don't know if you've ever seen beggars in the malls but they sit there on the ground with a cardboard uh, piece and they have written on it help money needed and as a man was sitting there this beggar begging which is what beggars do he saw a man coming and the man saw the beggar and the beggar saw the man and he caught his eye just for that moment and of course he the beggar went so the man looked at him and he put his hand in his pocket and he pulled out a dollar coin and this is what the man said i'm giving you this dollar not because you deserve it because it pleases me i'm giving you this dollar not because you deserve it but because it pleases me and he gave the man the dollar the beggar looked at the man and said thank you sir but while you're at it why don't you make it a fiver and really make yourself happy hmm. so here we have the joy of giving and the expectation of receiving but i don't know if the guy who gave the, the dollar was really that pleased to give that dollar but the beggar was expecting to receive one of the elements of faith that we can see is a twofold act and as the act of giving and receiving we need to have faith to give and we need to have faith to receive giving and receiving that twofold act we can't separate them and we should never separate them may be called this which you've probably heard so many times it's called sowing and reaping we need to make sure that we are giving correctly and that we are receiving correctly because there is a right way to sow and there's a wrong way to sow and there's a right way to receive and a wrong way to receive a farmer never sows without the expectation of receiving it would be ludicrous imagine you you're up in the Lockyer Valley there and you've been there for a while and where all the great farms are and you look and you you notice one day this farmer has plowed up the ground he's plowed it up he's fertilized it he's watered it and you are waiting for one thing for the farmer to sow the seed and you wait and nothing's happened and the following day the farmer's just standing there and with him is a big bag called seed and the 
the situation continues for a few more days, but it gets the better of you. So you go to the farmer and you say to the farmer, what else needs to be done? And he says, nothing, nothing else needs to be done. He says, well, you've got seed. Yes, I've got seed. Why don't you sow the seed? And the farmer says this, I'm worried. I'm worried if I sow the seed, I'll lose the seed and won't reap from the seed. Imagine that. All the work is done. Everything's been prepared. But the farmer won't release the seed. Two thoughts about a farmer like that. This is my first thought. You're not a good farmer. You're not a good farmer. Second thought. Why do you call yourself a farmer and you don't do what farmers do? It has been my experience that Christians are like that sometimes. They call themselves believers, but never believe to sow and to reap. Now, I know this church well. I know that we understand the principle of sowing and reaping. But if you don't know, let me tell you just this. This is the very nature and character of God. To give and to receive. God loves and desires to give. How do I know that? I only need to go to the most popular verse in the Bible. The Father, it says this of him. For God the Father so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave. And I know that Jesus loves to give because John 1.12 says this, that he gives us the right to be called the sons, the children of God. He gives us. He says, here you go. Take it. This is your right. I give it to you. And I know that the Holy Spirit loves to give because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 11, it says that the Spirit of God gives gifts, spiritual gifts. So this is the whole nature and the character of God to give. And we need to live a life that reflects the nature and the character of God. We need to give. We need to sow. Giving is not contained, folks, to finances. Because I know that as a pastor, every time that I get up to give, the first thought of most people's minds is, he's talking about money. But giving is greater than just that thing that we, we hang on to. It's about time, energy, intellect, wisdom, relationship. Are you giving? Are you sowing your time, your love, your wisdom, your energy into relationships of people? Are you giving? Earlier this week, I had an incredibly busy time. And I felt that I was just kind of like, you know how you get like that? Like, man, I need a holiday. I need to go on a 40-day cruise. Even if it's to go to Gilligan's Island, I'll, I'll do that. I just Because I've just been giving. And then I just realized, if I'm giving out of me, 
then there's the opportunity to receive into me. And it changed everything for me, folks. That this is the great principle of God. That unless I give of myself, then I cannot receive into myself. And in that moment, something lifted. Something changed. Giving became such an exciting thing for me. And I was, I was waiting for, for more phone calls, for more emails, for more troubles in putting the building back together. Because I can give myself to this because I know I'm going to receive from it. It changes everything. Because that's how God wants us to live life. To be givers and to be receivers. We have to have faith to give, but we've got to have faith to receive. But the question then comes to this, and I know you don't have this problem, but I just want to address it because there might be someone out there in video land on the YouTube or on the Facebook or on the TikTok. My kids hate it when I always put the the in front of the Facebook and the YouTube, but I just do it because it gets their attention. But maybe you don't know about this. Maybe this is something you've got to address. And the question is this, why is it, why do people struggle in giving finances? Why do they struggle about giving in themselves? Well, particularly in finances, let me say this, this is an issue. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, Jesus says this, this is the issue. If you've got a problem giving, he says this, no one can serve two masters. Oh, I know where you're going with this, Pastor. Well, that's good. You're on the same page. We're in the same boat. We're going down the same stream. Hang on. Here comes the waterfall. No one can serve two masters. Either he will what? Hate one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. And then he says this. You cannot serve God and money. In the King James Version, he used to say what? Mammon. Say mammon five times fast. Mammon, 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 mammon. Mammon. You can't serve God and you can't serve mammon. So Jesus is saying, hey, there is a God called mammon. It's called money. Do you know how this world works that we live in? It works about and around and through and in and with what? Money. They even have programs about it. Money, 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 money. Yeah, money. And the problem is, is people are caught up with either serving God or serving money, even Christians. You're kidding me. No, it's true. You see, God wants you to have an abundant life. But if money is the major concern in your life, the worry, the focus of your life, the God in your life, the thing that you serve first then God, the true living God, will never be God. If you are fighting internally right now about giving, then ask the question, why? Is it because you don't want to surrender the God of money? You can't take it with you. Did you hear the story about the very, very rich man who had married a very, very young, beautiful woman. And the very, very rich man was really actually a very, very old rich man. And a very beautiful young woman who was his wife. 
And she, he said to her, listen, I'm about to die. Will you promise that you bury me with all my money? And she said, yes, 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 I will. I promise, I promise, I promise. So guess what? The rich man died. And everyone went, no, come on, come on, you've got to help me. Oh. So she kept her promise. At the funeral, there was an open casket. She walked up to the casket and she pulled out a little piece of paper. People think, oh, so sweet. It's probably a love letter. Probably thoughts of great adventures and times. She just slipped it in the jacket and they closed the casket. They took him to the, to the ground and they put the dirt on him. And the preacher's looking at the woman and thinking, oh, this is just driving me crazy. What was on the note? So he said to her, what was on the note? She said, oh, it wasn't, wasn't a note. Oh, what was it? Well, my husband promised me that I would bury him with all his money. So I wrote out a check for all the money and I gave it to him. And if he can cash out, good luck to him, but I'll just take whatever is left. He tried to take it with him, but he couldn't. Jesus says, why don't you lay up treasures in heaven? We don't do that because that's what we're getting. We do it because we're trusting God. The only way that I have learned to keep money from taking the major place in my life. You see, folks, you don't understand where I come from. When I was a little boy, seven years old, living up in a property with my mum and dad, we had next to nothing. There was nothing and then there was us next. All right? We were next to nothing. We didn't have carpet on the floor. We had vinyl. We never had the inside of the house painted. It was built with Besser blocks and it was grey. And I thought grey was the most in colour because my mum said that's the best colour to have. When it was hot in summer, my dad got a 44-gallon drum, you know, those big drums, and he filled it with water and he says, that's your swimming pool. This is true. I would hop in the in the 44-gallon drum in the middle of summer to cool off with all the little leachy things inside it. And I would duck down underneath and cool off. And I determined when I was young that I would be a millionaire, that I would have money so I wouldn't have to go through this stuff because I thought that was the answer. And I dedicated my life to doing that. And I did that in three ways I thought was the best way. Through acting, because people say, you're an actor, mate. And I, I did courses with Queensland Film and Television. And I could see that it, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And then I tried to do it through a band. But, you know, not everyone loves punk music. So that kind of like fell aside. We put out a radio, we're on, uh, put out a record, was on a radio and all the rest of it. But every time we went and did a gig, we got ripped off. Ripped off. So then I just said, I focus on the business that I was working in. And I worked my way up to the very top at that very moment when the money was going to come in. Do you know what happened? God called me to be a pastor. I said, you're joking. That's not funny. And I couldn't stay. I had to do. So folks, when I talk about this, about putting money in its place, 
I know what I'm talking about. For real. The guy who came after me two years later was driving around in a brand new Porsche 11 Turbo. It was white. I know what I'm talking about. The only way that I can put money in its place is to give it away so it has no power over me. That's the only way. And to make Jesus first. And I mean, you know, you give it away inappropriately. You know, what is required of you and what's not required of you so that I can keep God as my focus. A couple of aspects about faith. Faith is this. It includes believing, enduring, standing. That's what faith is. And the twofold aspects of faith is giving and receiving. Because, folks, faith is neutral. I said that a few weeks ago. Faith leans into what you don't believe as much as what you do believe. That's the power of faith. And I have found, after being a pastor, and this is frightening for me as much as it is for you, after being a pastor for many years and a believer, there are people who have faith to give, but not always to receive. And there are people who have faith to receive, but never give. And that's why I want this morning for you to understand from a biblical point of view of reference about what truly is giving scripturally and what is receiving scripturally. So eight observations about giving. So if you've got your Bibles, turn it to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And this is the absolute greatest chapter about giving that Paul has ever written. Paul gave instruction to the Corinthian church. We have to understand that Corinth was a powerhouse city. It was just like the king of all cities because of its wealth. It would be like the modern day New York, having the New York Stock Exchange. There was wealth, wealth, wealth and wealth. And Paul writes to this church because of their wealth, because of their lack of understanding of the principle of giving. And when he writes to them, he uses an example of a church in Macedonia. And Macedonia is under pressure. They're the poor, poor, poor cousins. They don't have anything. They're under severe trial. And he says this, listen, people at Corinth... You don't get it about giving. You don't get it about receiving. But these guys over here that are poor and under severe trial, which meant persecution, you're losing your life, they get it. They get it. So I'm going to tell you what they did. Eight observations from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. First one here. Giving is a response to the grace of God that is given. Giving is a response because of the grace of God that was given. Look and listen to this scripture. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. God gave the Macedonian churches grace. But do you know what? He also gave the 
Corinth church grace, but the Macedonians locked onto something about grace and got a revelation about grace and start to function out about grace. You see, he gives gifts to everyone and he gives grace to everyone. But these Macedonians, they worked it out. They gave. Grace means favor, kindness. And God gave it to them and they realized, whoa, we've got this grace. And so they reciprocated in the grace of God with giving. They connected the grace of God. And it became so much to them that giving was the outflow of their life. They had a revelation of grace. And they gave out a grace. And this is why Paul compels the church at Corinth that is really wealthy and just holding on. You need to change your attitude about giving. Has anyone ever been blessed without any cause or reason? Maybe you're standing at Coles and you're a few dollars short and someone comes and taps their card and says, there you go, go for it. And they're not doing it to be on TikTok or onto onto, uh, the YouTube to become famous. You know what I mean? They just do it out of the goodness of the heart. Or has someone ever paid for your petrol and you've gone to the petrol pump and, you know, you've been blowing out. Someone's blessed you with a holiday or giving you flowers or whatever. They've just given to you and you, you just didn't deserve it. You see, that's what it's like is, is for the, the church at Macedonia. There was this thing of, we've got the grace of God. We've got to get it out there. We've got to give it. And they just gave. I know in my time and in my life, there have been those situations where I should have given, but I didn't give. Ever had one of those? And you go, oh, I should have done that. I don't ever want to have that feeling again. I want to have that feeling of giving. Not for any other reason that the grace of God compels me to give. I want you to give because the grace of God compels you to give and it impacts lives. Why do they do that? Why why is it that someone does that out of the grace of God? Well, let's look at the second observation. This is the reason why giving is a response to joy. It's having joy in giving. In the midst of their severe trial and their overflowing joy, And their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. There is a joy in giving. Giving with joy. You know, happy when the bucket comes round. But the bucket doesn't come round anymore. Happy to give. There's joy in giving. Here's the insight that I got when I was just meditating on that verse. Greater than the trial that I'm going through. Greater than the poverty that I feel. I am in a place where I can have joy. And it overcomes the poverty and the trial. I can have that. So greater than the trial. 
greater than the poverty is joy that overtakes them. And I do that through the grace of giving. That changes our life. Because God said he would supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. I just have to be the one who is giving in joy. Thirdly, giving is an act as much as you are able and even more. Have you gone beyond the point of giving? One year, and I'm, I'm telling you this just as an example. One year, it might have been 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I said to Pastor Pavey, I said, we've got the miracle offering coming up. And, you know, we all sow a week's salary into that. She goes, yeah. I said, let's go crazy. And she always holds on to the seed when I said, let's go crazy. Let's sow a month's salary each into the miracle offering and see what God does. And she went, yeah, let's do it. She's as crazy as me, but she always looks quite calm, let me tell you. And we did it. And do you know what? More came. Doors were open. God makes a way. Here's the thing. Giving impacts uh, more receiving. Do you remember the boy who had five loaves and two fish? Or was it two fish and five loaves? Anyway, do you remember that boy? Who owned that? The boy. The boy owned that. And what did he do? He gave. And what happened? More came. Do you think he had more than five loaves and two fish himself personally? Think about it. He's just probably lining up again and again and again and again. And people say, you know, I would give if I had more. Folks, you've got it wrong. If you want more, you have to give. That's how it works. I'm not making this stuff up. This is the word of God. Listen to this scripture. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. Really important scripture. One person gives freely and gains even more, and another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. It's all about the deal of giving and the joy of giving, with the grace of giving. And if you want more, then you've got to give. Number four, fourth observation. How does giving start? Giving starts by giving yourself to God. You've got to give yourself to God. It all starts by surrendering and making him the Lord of your life. That's where it's got to start. I give you my life. I surrender it. Whatever you call me to do, ask me to do, release to you, I will do. I give myself first to you. And all these things shall be added unto you. Number five, giving continues by knowing God's will. And then by the will of God also to us, Paul said. They gave according to the will of God. What's the will of God for your giving? Good question. Observation number six. Giving comes from sincere love. Paul says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. The sincerity of love. Giving must come from sincere love. Love for God in obeying his commandments. 
Folks, let me just say this. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If it's not given in love. There are so many examples in the Old Testament where people came in, they brought their sacrifices to God because, well, I've got to do it. And they brought sacrifices that were not acceptable. Lambs that were impure. Lambs that had blinded eyes. Lambs that were crippled. And God is just wanting to test to see if people are willing to give and surrender. Just seeing what they would do. And they go, oh, God won't notice this. God notices everything, folks. He sees everything. Do you think God really needs that sacrifice? No. He doesn't need it because he's God. But he wants to see if you know you need it. From sincere love. When you give, do you give because of love? Man, I've received gifts and I know they weren't gifts given in love. They're given because they had to give them and they really didn't want to give them. Do you know how that makes me feel? What's that? Oh, I got you this. Got you this. No heart in it. Number seven, giving is a response to Christ's giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that through his rich, though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich we should respond in the same way i want to be like jesus they cried but they never gave anything jesus gave in order to become rich then if that's the case if we are rich then we should give to be like him and number eight give willingly giving willingly makes giving acceptable for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Don't give if you don't want to. Give willingly. Eight observations. Now, can I give you two observations about receiving? Because giving is the hard part. Receiving is the easy part. But there are things you need to know about receiving from God. First one is this. You need to sow to receive. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or a woman reaps what he or she sows. You see, sowing is first a spiritual principle and secondly a natural principle. You only get what you give. Full stop. Secondly, Asking and believing. Here's the scripture, Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And of course, we must ask according to the will and the word of God. That's a given. Asking according to the will and the word of God. Did you know that God gives us, human beings, 7,487 promises? 7,487 promises are for you. Can you tell me five? Problem is, people ask, but they never search out what they need to ask for. They never go to the book of life to seek out the promises of God. 
what I've found as a pastor is that the only time that they go to the Bible is out of desperation, not for revelation. That's a sad thing. There are promises for you to pull into your life from God. 7,000, over 7,000 promises. Well, secondly, they don't believe the promises of God and they can't receive them. You have to have faith to give and you have to have faith to receive. I believe that God is good. I believe that he wants us to be blessed. I believe that he wants us to be partners in the extension of the kingdom of God here and around the world. That's what God wants. But unless I sow, then I cannot reap. Unless I give, I cannot receive. I think this one verse sums it all up. This is what Jesus said. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. Luke 6.38 Promise. Promise. I'm not making the promise. I'm just delivering the promise. And if I don't tell you, we will always stay where we are. But God wants us to be a blessing in everything we are in the life that we experience. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.